Welcome to episode one of Elephant Tales. I'm your host, Michael, and each week I'll be sitting down with a member of the New York State Assembly Republican Conference and discussing an issue affecting their district. Today I sit down with, today I sit down virtually with Assemblyman Michael Montesano. Assemblyman Montesano represents the 15th district, which is part of Long Island. Assemblyman, how are you? Hi, good morning, Mike. Yeah, nice to be with you. You too. Uh, what brings you to the program today, Assemblyman? Well, I'd like to uh, discuss uh, this uh, situation going on with the nursing homes in which I wrote a legislative column on. And, you know, the uh, all the information that's come to light, the underreporting of the deaths that are so numerous, it's just shocking to the conscience. And uh, it just seems to be that the nursing homes, you know, are just running on their own with no guidance, no assistance uh, during this pandemic. So I would like to address some of those issues and speak about them. And an assembly bill that I'm co-sponsoring, Assembly Bill A10350, which we will hope address so many shortcom uh, shortcomings and problems. When you mentioned the issues with the nursing homes, this is regarding the executive order to see to have patients with the COVID-19 virus housed there? Yeah, so you know, there's a couple of issues with the executive order and existing policies. One, uh, so patients that came down with COVID-19 that are already residents of the nursing homes, how should they have been treated? How should their families been notified and communicated with? And what preparations did the nursing homes have to even address this on the large scale that they were uh, hit with? And then the other part is, uh, people that were diagnosed and got very sick and had to be taken to the hospital. Uh, after they were treated in the hospital, uh, they were sent back while still infected, uh, while the rest of the nursing home was shut down to anybody coming in to the facility uh, with an active case. And I don't think the nursing homes were prepared for the large amount of residents they had and how they could isolate them. And then the second portion of the problem was uh, people who were not residents of the nursing home beforehand and were hospitalized for COVID-19, upon their discharge from the hospital, they were sent to nursing homes for further care or rehabilitation services, again, uh, uh, creating a problem with people with COVID-19 and people that didn't have COVID-19. And the nursing homes were understaffed and just couldn't handle this workload. The legislation that you support that you mentioned in your weekly column uh, Assembly Bill 10350, what steps would that take to alleviate the problems we're seeing today? Well, first of all, it directs the Department of Health to establish a special protocol on how to address the, uh, uh, a, a pandemic in the future. First of all, it provides that if, um, that if a nursing home has a 5% increase uh, during an infectious disease uh, uh, outbreak, uh, there's new guidance and steps they're going to have to take. Establish an isolation floor or unit. Uh, they have to give inventory of all the PPE, uh, the protective equipment. They have to establish communications between the patients and the nursing home staff and communications daily with the patient's family and arrange for communication between that patient and the patient's family. Um, they have to report all the incidents of death to the Department of Health. 
One of the interesting things that the law would also do is that if the nursing home is in willful default of this amendment to the public health law, then the uh, Department of Health could appoint an operator, an outside independent operator to come in and take over the uh, nursing home uh, operations until they come into compliance. And um, you know, in this state, Mike, we have over 600 nursing homes and residential care facilities. And you know, people would just shut out. Uh, nursing homes were shut down to anybody who was non-essential, it was shut down to family members. Uh, they took control of these people's lives and did not keep anybody in the loop as to what was going on. And, uh, and they underreported the deaths to the Department of Health. And um, I, I think that was, uh, you know, uh, very troubling to me that they were trying to conceal something from the authorities and from the patients' families. But one of the more important things that this does, it also gives the option for a patient to exercise uh, their rights under Article 36 of the public health law, which would transfer them to home care with home care services that are provided under the law. So if a nursing home could not properly take care of them or provide for them during an infectious outbreak, mm. or if they have too many people or if people are coming from the hospital, they can refer them to home care services where a home care aide or nurse could provide for them off-premises. One of the things that really struck me in that, uh, in your description of the bill there was the arrange arrangement for communication between patient and family. We've heard a ton of horror stories uh, throughout this pandemic of uh, how lonely uh, the hospital and the treatment process is. And uh, I think a lot of people would be very happy to see that be an instrument of the law of that they have to ensure communication between the two parties. Right. I think what people fail to realize in this whole pandemic is, is that there's a mental component, you know, to being isolated, to being quarantined. Uh, first, for those of us who are in better health or in better shape, it, all, it, it affects us. Could you imagine these people that are elderly, sick, have dementia or Alzheimer's, all of a sudden are taken out of their daily setting with no one telling them how or why, how long this is going to happen and they're shut off from their families. Uh, one thing, you know, people have to realize with nursing homes, nursing homes by law are, are, are required to provide socialization on a daily basis to its residents. So that's why they have community meals, they have recreation, they have games, they have entertainment, is to keep these people in a community atmosphere for their health and you know their mental well-being so while unfortunately this circumstance took that away uh, and uh, you know they had to have the meals in their rooms there was no more socialization uh, I, I think the way it was done uh, was difficult it could have been done better and uh, the nursing homes the administration could have beefed up its social services staff its recreational staff to at least go in the patient's rooms on a daily basis and spend 15, 20 minutes with them, speaking with them, uh, uh, getting them in contact with their family members. You know, we have all kinds of technology today and these nursing homes could have all these Chromebooks or all methods of FaceTiming with these people's families. And, and in the hospitals also, I understand there was a need to shut out um, visitors from the hospitals and nursing homes because we were trying to stop the spread. 
all well and good. But in many, many powerful, uh, horrific cases, people were on their last days, both in nursing homes and hospitals, and they all got the cold shoulder. There was one or two nice stories where hospital administration made a rare exception and allowed uh, you know, the immediate family member, one of them to come in and hold the hand of a loved one or to be on FaceTime with them. But this is tragic. And, and I think it was very unnecessary and we could do it better. The other portion of the legislation I'm, inter I'm interested to touch on here is the reported deaths. We've right. seen this week that there was a kind of a mass underreporting of over, I believe a thousand cases. Right. Um, and your legislation and the legislation you support here is um, ensuring that there's some sort of penalty for th this happening in the future. Right. So yeah. So under the violation of a public health law, there can be a monetary um, imposition of a fine. There could be a suspension of the operator's license, a revocation of the license. And as I stated earlier, the Department of Health could uh, put could put in an independent. Uh, operator to come in and take over the operations of the facility until such time they feel that the place is now in compliance. And I think it's very important because, you know, I think while nursing homes, you know, come under the auspices of the state uh, public health law, they're regulated by the New York State Department of Health. There is some regulations imposed by federal law also mm -hmm. because they're a Medicaid provider. Uh, I think for the most part, uh, New York State doesn't do a good job of overseeing its nursing homes and residential facilities. Uh, I think it's done in a haphazard fashion. I think the Department of Health needs more personnel to go out and take care of these matters. I think nursing homes should be uh, visited more frequently than you know four times a year, especially when we have an outbreak like this going on. Uh, I think we could do much, much better. You mentioned in your column this week the new expansive powers that the governor has in uh, in relation to this pandemic. We've seen that uh, a number of bills have been changed through this kind of executive fiat. I just want to get your thoughts a little bit more on these uh, new executive powers through the pandemic. So Mike, basically what happened is if you recall uh, when the, uh, just when the budget was being done, uh, a bill came out, the governor was requesting $40 million uh, in emergency funds for the New York State Department of Health to address uh, the COVID-19. In there, there was one little sentence that provided, uh, and I think people have to follow this, is that, so he already had all these powers under the executive law. I believe it's sections 19 and 20 of the New York State executive law. He already had all these powers. The one word that was missing was that he could use those powers in the time of disease, you know, an outbreak of a, of a disease. Mm -hmm. And if we didn't, if that wasn't passed as part of that combined bill, he wouldn't have been able to do this during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's usually, you know, in wartime, civil unrest, you know, earthquakes, 9-11 uh, type of situation. So the, uh, the, legis the legislature was put in a very difficult position. You don't fund his money for the Department of Health for COVID-19, you criticized. And if you didn't give him the new definition to, to include the word disease, you know, you have that problem. Um, I think that the legislature did not expect him uh, to run amok the way he is. And he's touched over 250 New York state laws in this two month period. 
And someone of us, you know, question, is it necessary for him to uh, change a lot of these laws or modify them on a temporary basis, of course. Mm-hmm. I really think it's time, uh, and I've said this several times on social media and other uh, outlets, that it's time for the legislature to reconvene. Uh, we're able to do it, you know, via Zoom. We all have a tablets issued by the assembly. We could have a session virtually, but I think it's uh, way past the time for the legislature to reconvene, to come back in, and one, to start doing what needs to be done in relation to the governor's executive orders uh, to take back some control, especially in the financial arena, but also in the way he keeps on, uh, you know, um, extending everything, you know, the the old stick and carrot approach. Every time we we reach uh, a milestone that he had previously established, he pushes it out again, he pushes it out again. Now, I understand he has some concerns, and some of them are legitimate. I'm not going to take that from the man. I think uh, for the most part, especially in the outset, uh, he made some good choices and decisions and took us in the right direction. But I think now he's just having a hard time letting go. Uh, he doesn't want to be responsible now for what may come afterwards. And, you know, can we have another uptick in the virus? Can we have another large reinfection rate? Well, y- yes. And it's out there with every other illness that's th- that we experience. But not only does the economy have to now get back into, uh, into action, but people's mental health. Uh, there's people that are not going to the doctors because they're afraid. Hospitals that have uh, uh, independent practices, medical practices, they're hospital-based, are laying people off by the thousands because there's no business. People are afraid to go be treated. Most hospitals, their census is down by 50%. The emergency rooms from local hospitals here that normally saw four or 500 patients a day now see maybe 75 to 80 patients a day. There's no reason why elective surgeries cannot begin, especially in the downstate area. People need their medical care. Dentists need to open up and start treating people for for their problems. You know, there's a lot of related medical problems to lack of mental, uh, from a lack of dental treatment. So they go hand in hand. So I think, and these things could be done responsibly. Uh, You know, recently I had to go to the doctor and, you know, uh, he times his patients so there's only one at a time. And there's nobody in the waiting room. Most of them have you wait in your car until it's your turn and they text you. Everybody had masks and gloves. This can be accomplished. Um, so uh, I really think it's time for the legislature to go back in. There's no reason for us not to be doing our job and, and having a session, whether it be virtual or whether it be, you know, in, in the chamber like we did for the budget with the social distancing. How do you feel about the governor's response to the virus on Long Island? Well, I think for the most part, um, you know, a lot of his uh, initial directives uh, were well-intentioned and they were good and they, and, you know, they accomplished a lot of good things. Uh, I, I think, you know, we have a lot of wasted money right now because he built all these uh, temporary hospitals out in Stony Brook and some other places. And, you know, we got the Javits Center, we had the Navy ship, uh, Hope, come in. And uh, because they were anticipating a problem, and of course they found out their statistical data that was provided was not accurate. So there's hundreds of millions of dollars sitting there out on the street that I believe has been wasted uh, unless, you know, a second wave comes in and proves that, you know, it was needed. Um, 
But I think for the most part, you know, uh, we're, we have a very dense population here on Long Island. Uh, not as much as New York City, but we have a good dense population. And I think something needed to be done to contain it, to see what we had. The, uh, the hospital rate um, uh, excelled very quickly. Uh, we had, you know, hundreds and thousands of people hospitalized. The ICUs were, uh, were overstretched. So I think in the initial outset, his response was uh, appropriate and we got a good result. But I think now as the time is passing, it's time for him to, to let go a little bit. In fact, in the last several weeks, our county executive uh, uh, made some movement to try and establish some uh, uh, reopening of small businesses and contractors and stuff like that. And the governor quickly you know, uh, uh, told her not to do that. Uh, but I think the county executives have a better idea on what's appropriate for their county, uh, what's needed, and how they can police it. So I think it's time that the governor, you know, let go of some of this. You know, he can't be the dictator of everything now. Uh, he has to, I think, have some respect for county executives and town supervisors who knows better uh, what can be opened in their respective, you know, uh, uh, towns and counties. And uh, give you an example, just a small one. You talk about barbershops and beauty parlors, not nail salons because they still have a difficult problem. But when it comes to barbershops and nail salons, it's very simple. You let them use half of their seats. They already know about protections. They're trained that way when they go for their licensing. So they could wear, you know, um, they could wear masks. They could wear gloves if necessary, wear a gown. Don't have anybody in the waiting area. Everything by appointment and get people in and out to get started. There's no reason why that can't be done. And as I said before, dentists, eyeglass places, doctor's offices. These people are trained and schooled, you know, in, in, in doing protective work. And it's necessary for people to start getting these things done and, and letting some money, you know, move into, your, into the economy. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this up? Well, I, I mean, you know, also just one of the interests is also, uh, you know, our court systems. Uh, our court systems are falling behind. Uh, he's ordered everything closed. And, and I think, you know, while they're doing certain things virtually, uh, they're way behind. So I think we need to improve uh, the functioning of our court system a little bit better. And quite frankly, uh, Mike, uh, on, a, uh, on an issue too with our houses of worship, uh, I think he needs to allow them. I've never seen before in the history of our country that the government has ordered, uh, you know, houses of worship uh, not to have any public services. I mean, uh, there's ways, uh, well, all the churches and, you know, uh, and, and houses of worship have doing things virtually. Still people need to be in contact, you know, with their pastors and their clergy and be able to go to church. And I think that we could establish a safe way of doing that, you know, uh, but like, you know, there can't be any marriages, there can't be funeral services. I mean, and, and again, this has a real detrimental effect on people's lives, you know, and, and so I think these are the things that he has to start thinking about and, 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 and to take the necessary steps to do it and stop, you know, uh, uh, pushing out the goalpost every time we get to it. Yeah, um, it has to be a very disheartening process to have to bury someone right now with the social distancing rules. Right, right. It's become very, very difficult. And 
and, and I, listen, and I understand, I know it here on Long Island that the wait in some of our local cemeteries just for a burial is a two-week wait. You know, crematories have been backed up. But the, the, the thing I would say is this, is, is that um, we're so bogged down with, with technical laws. And, and just let me uh, go off on a different tangent for a moment. So we talk about cremations. We're severely backed up on cremations. So they, they now allowed crematories down here to be open 24-7, right? And that wasn't enough. And you saw the big scandal in Brooklyn with hundreds of bodies laying out all over the place. Um, so uh, now the cemetery board, the New York State Cemetery Board, turned around and said that um, you could uh, send bodies upstate New York to be cremated. Now, why was that even a law and an effect? of which crematory you should use. And they waited this long to turn around and give permission for that to be done. The same thing they gave permission now to send human remains to the state of Vermont uh, to be cremated, to take the load off the local crematories and to move things on a quicker basis. And, uh, and off on another subject for a moment to close out with the voting situation. We have people that could stand online to go to all the big box stores and and everything else that they do. And, and that's okay. People can stand on the line to vote. Uh, I believe he's tampering with our election system. I think it's going to be to our detriment. Um, it's the people's constitutional right to go out and vote in person and not be forced to vote by mail. And I was hoping, I'm hoping that's something he, he backs away from. Otherwise, I think it's going to have to be addressed by the courts. All right. Assemblyman Michael Montesano, thank you for your time. Stay healthy and stay safe down there. Okay, thanks for having me, Mike. Take care. Thank you, you too.